This is Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and just David. You heard me right, Subjectively Correct fan. Subjectively Correct with just me, David Henderson. Anthony has been away to Europe, supposedly working, although I saw precious little evidence of the actual work that was going on. But I did see some photo evidence of a lot of touristy stuff going on. I mean, he brought me back a catapult, for crying out loud. Not like a full-sized one. I I would not be so, like, sarcastic right now if he had brought me an actual real-life catapult. But, you know, a little cool little catapult that actually has a little lever and stuff. He said it was a Roman catapult. So, anyway, he was off in Sweden and London, supposedly doing work stuff. When in actuality, I think he was just hanging out with friends in Sweden. I don't know. But what that means is, as long as Anthony follows his normal listening habits to our own podcast, he's not going to hear anything that I say right now. And uh, I don't know what to do with that. I do know there's going to be less Lakers and Dodgers talk on today's podcast. So there's that. So the NFL season started, we uh, have gone right through week two without a podcast because of uh, supposed work vacations and things like that. Anthony's not joining us today because he has a big move that he's dealing with. He and uh, his wife, his family, they're packing up their things and they're going to be moving. So you don't get any silly story to start uh, or funny story to start the podcast today. Just me rambling about my sports takes. This time of year is super fun for me. Baseball is really getting exciting. We can start talking about basketball a little bit because it seems like it's just right around the corner. And, of course, football. Something that was fun for our family was uh, my parents' alma mater. Many of my siblings went and graduated from BYU. And BYU won two games in a row in overtime and they were exciting and they were fun. I made my mom and my sister sing the BYU fight song every time something good happened. I think they enjoyed that. At least they pretended to. I think they were just humoring me. Whatever. It was a lot of fun. Uh, USC was ranked 24, and BYU looked like a really solid team throughout that. Their offense seems to go through funny things where they'll play really well, and then they'll sputter and, and just not be able to get a yard for three plays. It's the weirdest thing. But USC has a true freshman quarterback, and BYU's defense took advantage of that. Uh, They ended the game with an interception. Uh, So anyway, BYU, are they good? We're not quite sure yet because it's only week two. Are Tennessee and USC just bad teams? That's the thing with early on in the football season. We really don't know. Uh, Other things that happened in college football that were exciting. uh, A quarterback from Mississippi State, another true freshman, decided he was going to run for it on third and long. He almost got there. He jumped in the air, got hit by two defenders, and launched nine feet in the air, spinning around, and didn't quite get the first down. Now, first of all, good for you, dude. I mean, that was a crazy run and a crazy jump. It reminded me of John Elway's helicopter uh, in the Super Bowl, except this guy went eight feet in the air. It was insane. It was a crazy video. If you haven't seen it, just Google it. Mississippi State quarterback. I promise it'll be the first video that comes up. As far as other college football stuff goes, I'm not sure on anything else that went on. Those are the only things that I was really paying attention to. The teams that were supposed to win for the most part won. Uh, Clemson and Alabama are still in this race to see who's going to be the national champion. It seems like it's going to be that way every year. 
something interesting that did happen, and I wish Anthony were here to talk a little bit more about this, but I'm left to my own devices here, so here we go. California passed a law saying that college athletes can start earning money off of, uh, I think it's endorsement deals and things like that. Now, California tends to be a pretty progressive state, and that's really interesting. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I read that story, when I heard about that, was the Johnny Manziel situation. So Johnny Manziel's jersey, if you went on to uh, websites and searched for Johnny Manziel jersey when he was playing for Texas A&M, his Texas A&M jersey would pop up. So they were, at the very least, using his name to earn money by selling his jerseys, right? But because uh, players in college need to maintain a, quote, amateur status, he wasn't able to make any money off of those jersey sales that were clearly being purchased because of his popularity and because of his playmaking. And a lot of athletes have come out in support of this, saying finally some of these players can start making some money because clearly if it weren't for the players, these jerseys wouldn't sell, these tickets wouldn't be sold, these coaches wouldn't make tens of millions of dollars every year to coach these guys. Billions of dollars are produced every single year off of unpaid college athletes, uh, particularly in basketball and football. It's only fair that these players should be able to profit a little bit off of that. Now, Tim Tebow, who is currently an analyst at ESPN and a baseball player, I think, I still think that's going on, he disagreed pretty strongly with this idea of paying the college players. And the reaction that I've read and that I've seen has pointed out that, you know what, he had a very different situation than most of his teammates at Florida. Most of those guys and their families really could have used some extra bucks while they were playing and putting in all that time. And not all of them ended up making it to the pros like he did and had a um, career as a commentator and analyst after that and had a minor league baseball career after that to fall back on. So would it make sense for these guys to make a couple bucks, maybe a bonus if they make it to a playoff or a bowl game? I know the schools do. I know the coaches make bonuses off of that. Why can't the players make some of that too? If their jerseys sell, why can't they get a piece of that? If they're attracting thousands and thousands of people to the stadium, why can't they take a chunk of that? And for the people who say, well, it's different because you know it's not the way we've always done it, change isn't a bad thing. It's okay to switch things up a little bit, and it's okay to let these guys get paid a little bit. There's already corruption going on in NCAA. There's already gifts being given to these guys. There's already boosters that are offering uh, high-profile players money and other perks to come into their schools. So why not legitimize these incentives, these financial incentives for these players? It would make it legit. It would make it uh, less shady, and you would take away a lot of bad people from the process. A lot of these middlemen wannabes that want to get in there and get something for their school, or do something for themselves. I think it's a step in the right direction, and I think it's something that a, a lot of people, I feel like uh, a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of people that I associate with agree that players should be compensated, especially at these large schools that are making tons of money. But this is a topic that's going to come up over and over again throughout the years. It's been going on for forever, and when there's nothing else to talk about, it's what we like to talk about. But this has kind of been thrown at us uh, with this uh, California law being put into place. So if I'm a high school athlete and I live in Texas, why would I go to the University of Texas when I could go to USC, maybe with a coach I don't 
like as much, maybe further away from home, but I can make a few bucks while I'm working. Uh, well, working while I'm playing for the University of Southern California. Why wouldn't I go and do that? Especially if an NFL contract isn't a guarantee for me. Especially if I don't have a lot of money and it could really help out my family. I mean, there are stories out there of, of college athletes who are at five-star programs, who are at Division One schools, who can't afford a ticket home for funerals, who can't afford a suit to wear during game days. Well, the dress code is to wear a suit. And I know there's lots of incentives and things that these college athletes get. They get this free education. They get all these other perks like really uh, excellent training in their field and things like that, especially if they want to go into football or basketball. But that's a very small percentage of the players that are really benefiting from this. By that, I mean that the, the minor league system of you play college football for a while, then you go on to the major leagues or the professional league where you can start earning money. So why not incentivize these players to, you know, play hard and do well and make a little bit of money while they're doing it? I feel like it would solve a lot of issues and just make a better environment in the NCAA. And I know a lot of NCAA purists don't see it that way, Tim Tebow being one of them. But like a lot of people have mentioned, a lot of people have pointed out, he had a very different situation than a lot of the players that he shared a huddle with at Florida. So getting into the NFL now, Antonio Brown is an absolute evil genius. He is, without a doubt, one of the most interesting people in sports ever. And he is changing the way players do things. And we're starting to see this kind of avalanche of players uh, making a fuss and then going where they want to go. Le'Veon Bell, for reasons I can't explain, wanted out of Pittsburgh and ended up in New York and seemed to be happier with, with that. I guess maybe living in New York City is better than living in Pittsburgh? What do I know? I've never lived in those cities. But he clearly wanted out of Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown does the same thing. Ends up with the Raiders with a great deal. Realizes he doesn't want to be there, so what does he do? He creates a bigger stink than Le'Veon Bell did, fights with his GM, causes all sorts of problems with his helmets and all these things until the Raiders finally decide we're not going to spend the money on this guy to have him be a distraction. We're going to cut him and release him. That afternoon, he signs with, of course, the New England Patriots. And with incentives, he can earn just as much money as he was going to get with the Raiders. The only exception is it's not guaranteed money. So now Belichick and Tom Brady get their hands on one of the best playmakers and best wide receivers we've seen in the league over the last 10 or 15 years. The Patriots have been doing this forever, and it's frustrating. They get Josh Gordon on the same type of situation where he has, uh, he has problems staying, as Stephen A. Smith would say, off the weed. And now they get to have him on their team for a discount. Then the Antonio Brown situation happens, and again, they get Antonio Brown. And so losing Gronk doesn't seem like as big of a loss when you have Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown to throw to. And when you have those genius play callers and play designers uh, causing all sorts of chaos with pick plays and things like that, and these quick routes, and Edelman can get open for the first five yards and dump it to him all the time, the Patriots are again the Super Bowl favorites because Antonio Brown shows up there. They were probably the Super Bowl favorites before, but now we have Antonio Brown there just uh, a week two of the season. And if you remember, when Randy Moss came over to the Patriots that one year, Tom Brady had his very best season. So can Antonio Brown be that Randy Moss type player for Tom Brady? 
probably because Antonio Brown is a great football player. The big thing going on in the NFL this week, it seems, is quarterback injuries. Drew Brees, out for the season. Ben Roethlisberger, probably out for the season. Sam Darnold has mono, which is crazy. I mean, keep your kisses to yourself, Darnold. Come on now. And so who comes in for him on Monday Night Football? Trevor Simeon, who I got to watch as a backup for Peyton Manning for uh, for a while as a fan of the Broncos. And uh, he did his best, bless his heart. But then he gets landed on by Miles Garrett, who is an absolute beast for the Cleveland Browns. And he fractures his ankle and walks over to the sideline, by the way. Man, no one can say Trevor Simeon isn't tough. It reminds me when uh, when Tony Finau uh, rolled his ankle and broke his ankle while he was playing in a par-3 tournament at some major event. He rolled his ankle, dislocated it, popped that bad boy back in, and finished the round like a man. Crazy. So Trevor Simeon does something kind of similar, walks off the field, ends up being out as well. So in comes this guy named Falk. I don't know, and I turned the game off because I wasn't about to watch the Browns go against the Jets' third-string quarterback. Ended up being a good choice. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. made a couple of really great plays, one of his one-handed gems. It was an amazing play down the sideline, really reminiscent of what he did uh, in New York. Uh, A little less flashy, but still just as impressive. A great throw by Baker Mayfield, too. And then another really big play, his biggest play of his career, 80-plus yards for a touchdown. He is so athletic and so dynamic, you just got to get him the ball. One thing that was interesting in that Monday night game, I think the only thing that was interesting to me, the Browns get to the uh, the red zone, so they're about to score, and the referees stop the game and tell Odell Beckham Jr. to come off the field because his visor is not uh, is against the rules in some way. It was a really cool-looking visor. It had like an orange tint to it. It looked really cool and matched the uniform really well. It was something like that you would make on Madden that you would think, oh man, this would never happen in the league, but man, it looks really, really cool. So I was bummed when they told him to come off the field and change it or whatever. So what does he do? He does OBJ things on him. So I thought that was really weird. And what a lot of people were pointing out was, why not just let the Browns finish their red zone possession and keep their best player on the field and then tell him, hey, Odell Beckham, why don't you change your visor? Why didn't they notice it until that time when they were close to scoring? So it seemed a little weird. seemed a little, uh, of course, if you're a Browns fan, it would seem a little shady. But come on, Browns. It's not like everyone's not rooting for you. You guys were terrible for years. Other things going on in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> of course, Nick Foles is injured for the Jaguars. He was supposed to be the savior after uh, Blake Bortles. Bortles gets traded, and he's backing up Jared Goff in, in L.A. now. But he gets hurt, so in comes this guy, Menchu. And so the Jaguars are playing with the backup QB. The Saints are playing with the backup QB. The Indianapolis Colts lost Andrew Luck. Sam Darnold is out. His backup, Trevor Simeon, is out. I feel like I'm missing people. There are so many injuries going on at the, at the quarterback position in the NFL right now that it just leaves you scratching your head. Now, one thing that I didn't see a lot of talk about was Colin Kaepernick being signed by one of these teams. He's ready. He's been working out. He's been staying in shape. But I doubt he's even gotten a phone call. The 49ers are 2-0. They look good. Their new offense with Kyle Shanahan looks really, really innovative. They're running around in wide open spaces. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to be perfect. He just has to be good. And that team can put up points. Their defense has also been really stout. They haven't played the best teams. I'll give them that. But 
as a 49ers fan, I'm really excited to see what Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan can do with a full season. The tight end Kittles looks great. The running backs for the 49ers looked really good. Kyle Shanahan is one of those rare coaches that doesn't just drop good passing plays. His run game looks really sharp too. So they were gashing uh, the Bengals for uh, 20 yards, and, and it just looked really great. I'm excited to see that team continue to develop on the offensive end. The Packers and the Vikings had a great game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was slinging the ball around, looked really good. And the Viking offense, man, they have such good skill talent over there in Minnesota. It's really scary. And I feel like if they had a quarterback that wasn't just managing the game and could actually throw the ball to these weapons, they would be a much, much scarier team. But Kirk Cousins is an okay quarterback. And when you're an okay quarterback in a great system with great talent around you, you can you know, get by as a quarterback in the NFL and even get paid a ton of money, right? Uh, let's see. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is a monster, okay? There's some projecting that he'll throw 60 touchdowns this season, and no one thought he'd be able to stay on the same pace that he did last year when he put up 52 touchdown passes. Patrick Mahomes, that swamp monster, is the truth, okay? He's not a one-hit wonder. He's making throws look easy that most quarterbacks cannot make in the NFL. He is a rare talent in a great system with great talent. If he were on the Vikings, the Vikings would look like the Chiefs. But Kirk Cousins is no Patrick Mahomes. But to be fair to Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes is looking like what Aaron Rodgers should be. Or what he was when he was younger. I'm really excited to see Patrick Mahomes continue to grow and develop. We may not be seeing his best football, which is really exciting if you're just a football fan because he's going to be really good for a really long time. Unless, of course, he gets hurt. Oh, USA Basketball. You make me sad. The FIBA World Cup was this year, held over the summer, and... A lot of our stars weren't there. Some of them were hurt. Some of them just didn't want to go and play. And I, I kind of get that because, you know, they have these big contracts and they have these NBA deals and they have, uh, you know, that's their, their main source of income. And it's also their main focus is the NBA. So why risk it and go give yourself a George Paul where you break your leg playing for USA Basketball when you have a big season coming up and things like that. Also, I think a lot of stars didn't want to play because... The NBA is wide open this year. We've gone from having uh, uh, three or four superstars on a team, on a few teams, to having two superstars on a lot of teams, and that's going to make things really, really interesting. But United States finished seventh in the, the, the Basketball World Cup. And that is upsetting. It's the worst we've ever done with NBA players on a United States roster, which is a big bummer. But you look at these international rosters, and they aren't a bunch of bums who have never played in the NBA anymore. Every team at that tournament had NBA talent, right? The Gasols. You have uh, Jokic in Serbia, uh, or Latvia. I don't remember. I think it's Serbia. But man, that Serbian team wasn't afraid of the United States at all, and their coach came went, went out of his way to make sure that was clear. We are not afraid of these guys. You have Luis Scola for Argentina still putting up buckets. I mean, that's just crazy that he's still around making international buckets. But good for you, Luis Scola. You're no Manu Ginobili, but man, you are close. But everyone's really down on 
the U.S. basketball team, and I feel like they should be. Uh, basketball is a sport that we've dominated probably more than any other sport in the world that other people play. We know it's not soccer, unless it's the women's side. The women dominate soccer, and it's been fun to watch that. But basketball with the dream team and the NBA being the biggest uh, pool of talent for basketball in the world since the beginning of time, it feels like, even though it was invented by a Canadian. I mean, come on, Canadians, step it up. It took Kawhi Leonard leaving Texas and San Antonio to go to uh, Canada to get you your first championship. Now, I know there's a numbers game going on here. There's a lot more American teams than there are Canadian teams, but still, the inventor was Canadian. It took a long time for a Canadian champion to get here. I'm just saying, step up your game, Canada. Uh, less hockey, uh, less maple syrup, and more basketball. Uh, lost my train of thought. This is where Anthony would make fun of me for losing my train of thought, but he's not here, so I have to find a way to bring it back for myself. So, anyway... There are a lot of really good international players. Greece has Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP. Uh, there are so many teams. France is loaded. There are so many teams that can compete at a high level now because uh, they have NBA talent. NBA talent that isn't just guys that, you know, sixth men or that come off the bench for good teams in the NBA. You have legitimate superstars, MVP type players that are from uh, outside the United States. And that's going to make the international back basketball scene really interesting for a long time, especially if our best players don't go and play. Uh, the baseball season is still going, uh, I think. I've been buried by football stuff, and it's been glorious. I haven't been able to watch as much as I, I would like. But uh, I don't feel like a whole lot has changed. There are some playoff races that are getting interesting, but... I mean, it'll all work itself out. We'll get to the playoffs, and that's when the really important stuff happens, right? That's what we're really uh, waiting for. And this is a great time of year, man. Basketball, we can start talking about it. The preseason starts in uh, less than a month, and then we have uh, playoffs and baseball starting soon, and football continues to save us and make us more interested in any other sport uh, that's out there. So I'm, I'm really excited for uh, the next uh, couple of months, especially uh, into December. It's a really great time of year. It's really exciting time, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this football season too. The 49ers look pretty good. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in an offense that he can actually, uh, you know, do things in with his new coach, LeFleur. It's going to be a good year, man. It's going to be a great year for sports. I just wish fewer quarterbacks were getting hurt. Because Teddy Bridgewater playing for the Saints is not nearly as fun as Drew Brees playing for the Saints. But that's the nature of the game, man. Uh, there are still plenty of good, young, talented quarterbacks that will continue to grow like Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we just kind of have to ride out the storm a little bit. And with all of this going on, curiously, number 12 for New England remains healthy and remains playing at a really, really high level into his 40s. I'm not saying someone should look into that, but someone should 100% absolutely look into that, like right now. This is Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and just David.